tonight on Rogue Squadron. Corn's Escape, take no, one. Pod- Podrin. Meg. Did I not say Rogue Podrin? <laughs> you forgot the pun. <laughs> you said Squadron. Oh, yeah, sorry. The best I thing about it. <laughs> it just felt so right. I'm sorry. <clears throat> tonight on Rogue Podrin. Corn's Escape, take one. There needs to be a body. Spoiler alert, Isard is cruel. Warrior bro code. Fantasies of M-Tray. Combat piloting is easier than practicing law. There's a reason why it's called the Bacta Cartel. Kitten Lormat's greatest idea. Too cool, too flight. Don't try love stalking at home. And Corrin's Escape, take two. A lot. That's a lot of That's things. So much. A lot of oh things are happening tonight. We, we have a lot to talk about. This is Rogue Leader. All wings report in. Rogue 6, standing by. Rogue 7, standing by. Rogue 3, standing by. warn our listeners that we would be talking about so much? We did, yes. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> I mean, if we didn't, I think they probably figured it out during all that. <laughs> yeah. Surprise! Surprise! Here's 11 chapters you need to read. And next week, we're reading the entire book four. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, we're going to read the entire Wraith Squadron arc. <laughs> no! There's so much to talk about Oh my God. And then after that, we'll read literally every Legends book. Yeah, we're just going to do like the New Jedi Order in one show. <laughs> <laughs> JK, JK, JK. Hello, listeners! Welcome to the latest episode of Rogue Padron. This is Season 3, Mission 5, and as you might have noticed, it is a double episode today, so we'll be going over chapters 21 through 31. But before we get into that, a quick introduction of your hosts. We have Saf, who, if she was one of Will Smith's characters, she would be Jim West, Desperado, Rough Rider, No You Don't Want Nada, because she's going to rough them chumps up. Oh my <laughs> god, this is amazing. Can you fit all that into your new Twitter name, Saf? <laughs> I don't think I can, unfortunately. <laughs> we have Heath, Rogue 3, who would obviously be Will Smith as Agent J from Men in Black 1 through 3, because he makes the suit look good. Good, good. So I'm going to let Twitter hate on me once again because I've never seen Men in Black. Me neither. <laughs> I can't jump in on this one. I'm sorry. Oh. I'm leaving you guys down. <sighs> sorry, guys. <laughs> but now I have to since I'm in it. Yeah, geez. Come on. <laughs> well, we have Danny, Rogue Six, who would obviously be the Fresh Prince of Bel Air because he's just that fly. Mostly because he works with birds sometimes. Oh, oh! I see what you did there. That's a very yeah. complex pun. I hope our listeners get it. Yeah. That was good. It's because birds fly. Yeah. They have the power of flight. Danny. I mean, not, not all birds, Danny. That's You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. I did, didn't mean to <laughs> discriminate against the Huey birds. <laughs> or penguins. Or penguins. Or like half the birds in New Zealand, honestly. We have used right. these birds. Penguins can't fly, but they are the most fly. Yes, correct. Because they have little tuxedos. And they're cute. <laughs> Number one important, <laughs> that they're cute. And I'm Meg, Rogue Leader. 
And I would be Del Spooner, who is Will Smith's character in iRobot, because I'm one, hot for justice, and two, totally scared that artificial intelligence is going to murder us, and that's why I don't talk to Siri. It's a fair fear, honestly. I'm legitimately afraid of it. It's it's honestly fair. (laughs) As someone obsessed with, like, artificial intelligence and stuff, it's a fair fear. Yeah, yeah. Well, before we jump into the book discussion, we always have our question about Rogue One. And this week's question is more of a reflection. We uh, we started this, our very first episode of this podcast is all about Rogue One, because we were like, it's called Rogue One, it's going to be all about X-Wings, and so we'll do an X-Wing book club podcast to lead up to it, and it makes so much sense, and there will be so much, oh, that's the word I'm looking for, so much, um, it's like cohesion, oh my synergy. god, synergy, yeah, there'll be so much synergy. But we're starting to kind of get the sense that X-Wings maybe aren't playing a huge role in this movie. And I know recently Heath and I had a brief conversation where Heath admitted that he's just not super pumped about Rogue One right now. And so I just kind of wanted us to take a chance to reflect on how are we feeling about this movie right now? And what would it take for us to be super pumped about it again? Or are we just going to kind of let it happen at this point? Do you want me um, to go first since you already kind of talked about yeah, go how for I'm it. feeling about it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I like, yes, I'm looking forward to seeing the movie because it's a new Star Wars movie. That being said, I at this moment don't feel that excited about it. And I think that's a combination of a couple of things. One, it's such an unknown quantity, which I think while that does excite some people, for me, it's like, I like, I don't know what to expect and start to get excited about something I don't know what to expect from. Um, I think after seeing the first trailer, it's looking and feeling a little different than I thought it would. And that doesn't mean I won't like it. Um, but I think I just need to see more of it to like get into it. And then I think the last thing is I've, I've just always been about the main saga and I'm finding it a little hard to get as invested in a side story as I was for the continuation of that main story. Even if that side story is promising us some sweet cape action? Even then. I'm pretty sure it's me who's really about that cape. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, overall, like, want to see it. We'll see it opening night and probably every day of its opening weekend. But... I just I need a little more, I think, and I I still don't think it's time for us to be getting a little more. So I'll just be patient about it. But for now, I'm feeling kind of meh. All right, I'm gonna take the rein because I am sort of the opposite of Heath in that I get very excited about side stories in Star Wars that are about completely new characters. Um, it's why I like all of the weird books in Legends that other people aren't as fond of a lot of the time because they're new characters and not based off of the characters from the original trilogy or the prequels or whatever. Um, and so, and also science fiction military stuff is just my jam. I love it mm-hmm. infinitely. And Rogue One is promising that in some ways. Um, so I'm very excited for that genre to be on screen because I always love movies in that genre and to have a Star Wars movie in that genre is really exciting to me. And so new characters in that kind of film genre is super exciting to me. So I am really psyched for Rogue One. I don't have the same amount of excitement that I did for The Force Awakens, 
But I'm also not sure I'm ever going to have that amount of excitement for something until potentially mm-hmm. episode nine because yep. it's going to be big. Yeah, so it's it's never going to be the same as The Force Awakens for me. And I think I for think, a lot of people. Yeah, I think that's part of it for me is I was just beyond excited for The Force Awakens and was maybe kind of expecting it to like stay at that level, but it's just not reasonable for it to. So this is something different. It's fine. And also, like, I'm totally fine if this movie just like isn't for me and I don't end up being excited about it because there are people who are super pumped about it and I'm super happy for them. It's just like maybe not my thing and that's cool. Yeah, like I expect the Han Solo movie will end up being something that's not my thing at all. And mm-hmm. I am a-okay with that. Like, I've accepted that by this point. I mean, I accepted it the moment they announced it was going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I figure Rogue One, for me, is going to be the movie that, like, is is kind of for me. And then there'll be other anthology films that won't be for people like me, which is cool. Like, that's just what's going to happen. It's like the Legends books right. or the EU in general, is that there's going to be stuff that some people are going to love. Heap. Load. Heap load isn't a word. Anyways, and then there's going to be it's other now. stuff that they're not so fond of. <laughs> right. And that's why I'm, re- I'm really glad they're doing the um, anthology films because there is going to be something for everyone. So at the end of the day, it's, it's really okay if this one's not for me. Yeah, I think Rogue One is kind of our chance to start to get a little perspective because for a lot of people who maybe aren't excited about it, they might be feeling like, oh no, Star Wars was so much fun and now I'm over it and it's never going to be mm-hmm. the same again. But you know, 20 years from now, when we've had a movie a year for 20 straight years, then maybe we'll be able to see that, like, yeah, sometimes you're going to be more excited about some movies and not others, and that's right. okay. <laughs> because yeah, like, literally no one can be of... excited about every single... Well, I guess someone probably can, and probably will be excited about every single possible movie, but for a lot of us, we have things that we... And genres, and styles, and characters, and eras, etc., 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 that we get more excited about over others. Right. I may, I may end up, like, not really ever wanting to watch it again if i don't like it and at the end of the day we're getting so many other so much other star wars content that that really doesn't matter there's going to be so much else to choose from when i'm feeling in the mood for some star wars right and just think like again i think the books is a good comparison because the books also cover different eras and are sometimes in different styles and genres or maybe written in a different tense and I can think of one book off the top of my head in the new canon that I plan to never <laughs> read again for the rest of my life. But on top of that, I can think of at least five that I plan to reread at least, you know, probably ten more times. So um, yep. the the ones that we love will probably always outweigh maybe the ones that were duds for us. Which one are you never rereading? Heir to the Jedi? You betcha. <laughs> <laughs> I still need to read that. I want to understand. Seth, you don't. I, uh, I want. Uh, I want okay. To okay. You should. Okay. You should read it once. Every. I think everyone should read it because yeah. it's a very funny book. But in my I mean, brain, it it's a legend's book. <laughs> literally boring as Coruscant Nights is. Honestly, anything's better than that. Meg, did you have anything to add on the topic? Rogue One is not what I expected it to be. I am excited for it, regardless. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> I'm for the capes and the and. I'm excited for Danny for Danny Yang. I'm excited sorry, who for Danny. Sorry, yeah. Donnie. Sorry. Danny. <laughs> oh, by the way, I have some news to share with you all. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, sorry, wow. sorry. I'm excited for Donnie Yen. I'm excited for Diego Luna. I'm excited for Hella Capes. <laughs> yeah. The cops so like, actually got me super excited as well. There are like three things going on for me right there. So we're good. We're good. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of bummed that it's not an X. There that we didn't see any X wings, but maybe there's the crushed one in the background. That's not. <laughs> that does not make <laughs> feel good about it at all. Staff, do you think the movie is named Rogue One because there's one crashed X wing in the background of one shot? It's because Rogue One dies right at the start, and they're like, we have to continue. <laughs> oh my the gosh, like, yeah, no. too. <laughs> Spoiler alert, sorry. Wait, does G.I. Joe <laughs> die in G.I. Joe 2? And he died in, like, the first 20 minutes of the of the second one. Wow. And then oh The Rock gosh. took over and saved the franchise. That's fair. Duh. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Continuing the theme of none of us but Meg have ever seen anything ever. <sighs> Let's talk about X-Wings. Continuing that theme. So this week, we start back in Gen Pop with Corin, who wants to make his first attempt at escape against Jan's suggestions. But Corin, though, boldly assumes that he probably won't be killed even if he gets caught. So, great. Everything's fine. Yeah. Jan is an A-plus good guy that we find out, but it's also always used against him. And that's, like, why he won't help Corrin. Like, he won't escape with Corrin, even though Corrin keeps offering. And it's because if Jan leaves, they'll murder everybody. (laughs) It's so sad. It's just so intense. If you leave, everybody dies. (laughs) Everyone. Uh, We don't actually need these people making gravel, so everyone will just die. Right, like, them. (sighs) Poor Jan. Yeah. I want a story about him. (laughs) <laughs> sorry i can't wait till we finish this book um <laughs> oh no uh-oh wow meg that's like the first time that you haven't kept your cool when we've said something super spoiler yeah. inadvertently I know. <laughs> sorry it's because of it's because of avatar state and they're terrible at doing that there oh my god <clears> is, is jan is the jan spy? hal horn <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i'm just going to say yes to both <laughs> Wow, how horny the spy? I mean, our comments did not, (laughs) were not mutually exclusive, so. That's what I'm saying. I'm going to say yes to both. (laughs) Okay. Basically, there's also like two pages of Carillions mentioning odds, and they really Uh, need to cut it out. (laughs) I'm so over that whole thing. Wait. Right. I I have a theory now. (laughs) Isn't there a character named Wes Jansen that we're going to meet later on? There is. Is that Jan? Is that Jan? Is that Jan? Okay, what were you saying about odds? Curlians don't know anything about them. They only know about evens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Anyway. Um... <laughs> Man, we're off to a rip roll and start tonight. <laughs> Curlians really need to stop. Corellians, I literally cannot odd. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, there's a whole tangent here about how, like, Corellian numbering system differs from the rest of the galaxy. I'm not even gonna... No, don't. I think Dread... I just completely skimmed that, because I don't even remember that. It's probably for the best. <laughs> So before Corrin can implement his breakaway plan, a guard picks him for a good old-fashioned make-an-example-of-beating. Corrin fights back, 
almost taking the guard's blaster, but realizes that everyone will die if he does that. And for once, he's a decent enough person to not want to cause that much suffering. He therefore allows himself to be stunned by the guards. Wow, Jan really made an impact on Corrin. Yeah. Look at Corrin thinking about other people. Good job. Good job, buddy. Gold star. Corrin then gets taken to a medical facility somewhere in Lusankia to be tended to. While he's there and kind of out of it, he recognizes the sound of stormtroopers marching. Because he hasn't heard that noise before, he has to assume that where they are is somewhere below where he's being held. Or where they are being held as prisoners in Gen Pop. And that was uh, that. Joker. Okay, Corrin. <laughs> Wait, is it because, like, he hasn't heard them above them before or something? Correct, yeah. He's like, they must be below them. Right. He's okay. just a Sherlock Holmes right there. <laughs> So smart. <laughs> in the next chapter, we go back to the rogues in Mirax, who were, who arrive at Ryloth, specifically Kalaun. There's a strip of land at the terminus line that's cool enough for people to kind of slip in and out of. Despite Wedge needing to focus on the task at hand, his thoughts go back to Tycho, and his hope that Noir will be able to successfully defend him. Mirax is kind of unsure about Tycho's innocence, but not in the same way where Iella like, believes he's guilty. We learned some wise words from her father, Booster Tarek, which is, if you don't see a body, don't count on someone being dead. Which is very important, and I think in he everyone... Knows... <laughs> he, he knows, knows Star Wars well. well he, uh, yeah, he knows Star Wars well, and he knows general sci-fi murder shows well. <laughs> <laughs> well so I would like to point out, like, how Wedge, like, tips Merrick's face up to, like, wipe a tear away. And I was reading that, I was like, none of my dude friends, none of my friends in general would ever do that. Like, it's such a weird... <laughs> it's such a weird thing to do, to just take someone's face and be like, I'm gonna wipe that tear away, it's, buddy. It's pretty intimate. <laughs> it's a little bit intimate, yeah. It's pretty intimate. Oh, well. Wedge, of course, gives wise words back and says, I don't imagine we can bring people back to life by hoping, but letting their memories live on inside of us is not a bad thing to do at all. So, thanks, Wedge. Wedge. I love Wedge. Good guy, Wedge. Good guy, Wedge. But most importantly in this chapter, Wedge has changed outfits into Twilight Warrior-style garb. <laughs> yes, he has. I feel like and- Wedge's really bad day is getting a little better. Because <laughs> he gets a costume change. Yeah. No, he just like he seemed kind of chill in this chapter. Like mm-hmm. he's he. It seems like he kind of got his stuff together. Yeah, he's he, kind of back on his wedged groove. Yeah. After that horrible day in court, and after showing up for a date with his date's husband, oh God, there. Was... <laughs> yep. yep. He's kind of he's bouncing back. He's How wedge got his groove back? back. Yeah. <laughs> Flying, that's how. He just goes in a ship and he's like, I'm good. Right. Wedge should just never leave an X-Wing. No, he really needs to, like, stay on mission. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> it suits him. Um, I also typed out all of his outfit, if I should read that. I just <laughs> really appreciate... Should. You definitely I appreciate should. what he's wearing. You should. You should. Okay, so Wedge, Wedge's costume change. His brown boots came up to his knees and beige trousers had been tucked into them. To that, he added an emerald green loincloth and a bandolier of the same color. 
All of his battle ribbons and awards had been embroidered on the bandolier, starting with two Death Star representations as right shoulder, ending with a symbol representing Coruscant near his left hip. The crests of the Alliance and Rogue Squadrons stood side by side over his heart. His cloak was a darker green than his bandolier and had been lined with a shiny red fabric that formed two red wings when he folded the cloak back behind his shoulders. So he's Is bringing he wearing his a shirt? cape game. Okay. I'm going to assume that he's not, but I think that's just in my head again. <laughs> well, I mean, they describe like every item of clothing except right, the shirt. except his shirt. Yeah, so I'm just saying. I'm pretty Let's sure just say no. Let's just say he's not wearing a shirt. <laughs> it's custom. I'm okay with it. It's fine. Yep. All right. All right with it. So Wedge and Nawara exit the convoy first and are met by Koshak of the ruling clan and Kazne Olan. Wedge had met Kazne Olan on his last mission to Ryloth, which had ended on a positive note. And so they form a pretty good friendship already. <clears throat> Wedge mentions that he brought a buttload of stuff as gifts to obtain the Rill, and Koshak is immediately ready to begin negotiations. This surprises everyone, so Nawara steps in and says Wedge invokes Twi Jani. And I'm not sure what that means yet, but Koshak says that they will see to their pleasure and then to their business. Ooh. Alright. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Got it. So, party time on Ryloth. Back on Coruscant, Yella is trying to is trying her best to find Lainutka, but she's struggling. Who is she trying she's to find? Lainutka. Nutka. 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 <laughs> She's been able to find out a lot, like a lot about his tracks, and get a sense of him, and how he distances himself from his his. Oh my god, he distances himself from the alliance, but he's willing to work with them. But overall, she's getting super mixed results. Her best lead was finding a series of young adult novels. Uh huh. Okay. That I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, Juro's young adult novels. That's awesome. I love yeah. that. That's a thing so much. Mm-hmm. So good that Nutka had based all of his aliases off of. So she runs combinations of the names, and she finally scores a hit. Hesglilito, I don't know, had arrived on the Nobody. Glilto? Glilto? Sure. At least fun than Nutka. Yeah, less cute than Nutka for sure. Yeah. Had arrived on the Nova Child four days before Tycho's supposed meeting and it was actually our dear friend Lieutenant Nita who was the one who logged his arrival and kept meticulous records. And because Yella recognizes Lieutenant Nita's work as like super comprehensive, she can deduce that they had any other records of light of Lainutka have been deliberately purged. And if someone could do that, they would also have the ability to fake all of the evidence against Tycho. Um, did we ever get any resolution on Lieutenant Nita, or is he still hanging no, up at that station up no in Coruscant, like, thinking he's the hero of the Empire? <laughs> Poor guy. No, zero resolution on Lieutenant Nita. <laughs> <laughs> of course, ultimately, all of this information is useless, because it's all speculation, and nothing can be proven as fact. <clears throat> Whistler and m come to visit, though. And they tell her that there's been one assumption everyone has been making in the case. And that's Isard Head intentionally handed the planet over with Kratos creating so much of a problem that the Alliance falls apart. m points out that there's no correlation, there's no direct correlation between her desire for them to have the planet and the actions she took in the final days before it fell. 
they end up showing her a graph of the death toll of the virus. They show it to her, and they say that if the Alliance had arrived six days later, the death rate would have increased by 85%, and that whole alien populations would have been erased. Yikes. Yeah. So, Mm. obviously, it would have... Isard wanted the rogues and the rest of the rebellion to show up a lot later than they did. And Mtray goes on to say that there are two reasons why the the death rate is so different. And one is probably by that storm that they caused that boiled off a lot of the contaminated water. And the other one is that the disease had the abbreviated incubation time because they weren't supposed to arrive yet. Isar knew that the rebellion would eventually take the planet, but they hadn't counted on being so soon. And so Tycho's actions of helping out at Coruscant directly resulted in the early taking of the planet, which... It would be ridiculous, I guess, to assume that he'd be working for her while intentionally going against, like, the the best interests of the Empire. And after all of this kind of confusing deductions, Yellow points out that that makes sense unless that's what she wants you to believe. And basically everything is useless again. Have you, have any of you ever played Mafia or Werewolf? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this seems a lot like that when you've got two people... And they're, like, trying to convince each other things. And they're like, yeah, but what if that's what they want you to think? Maybe that's what they want you to think. And it just goes in a loop of that. Yep. It's just turning into Never that ending. so much right now. But maybe you want me to think that this is what you want me to think, that what you want me to think is what you want me to think. Oh, uh, so oh, too God. much. <laughs> so Yella has to reflect on why would Isard put this much effort into framing Tycho? Number one is because it would discredit the rogues and cause a lot of political problems. And number two, she's just freaking mean. And that is the most convincing reason for Ayala. Uh, <laughs> and Surprise. there's a lot of evidence to back it up, too. Yeah, there's some evidence for you. She's kind of awful. <laughs> also, her name is Iceheart. Yeah, right? Iceheart. Um, I was getting some serious 3PO and R2-D2 vibes from M-Train Whistler in this. Yeah, so was like, I. Really I totally good. forgot it wasn't 3PO and R2-D2 when I was reading it. Because it I totally was didn't. Yeah, completely I completely really hated M-Train. Their voices. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I almost said 3PO once, so we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Has like, no. no one ever told her that Iceheart is mean before? <laughs> This was 10 pages of Iella figuring out that Iceheart is a mean person. Oh, she's not a nice person. Okay, I get it. She she might just want to screw someone's life over for lols. This is the breakthrough we've been looking for. I found that a little weird. It was just like, okay. Right. (laughs) took a droid telling you she's a mean human to like, whatever. Here's a graph of aliens dying. Oh, it's all so clear to me now. Come on, you're an intelligence agent. Yeah, she's made to look right. so capable, like, before now. <laughs> well, maybe that's the thing, is that, like, because she is so trained to, like, look for all these tiny details that, like, she's missing the big picture. Yeah. Yeah, she's trained to look for, like, really complex agencies and stuff. And then I saw reason is just, I'm mean, I'm awful, I'm just gonna mess with these people. <laughs> and, yeah. like, she doesn't expect that, because it's not yeah. usually what people go for. She's looking for, like, clues that she's a terrible person, whereas, like, it's literally just all she is. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, like, I will I will tell you I'm a terrible person. Yeah. And especially with the fact that they like they know 
as a big picture that Isard's trying to turn like the populations of the New Republic against each other, but they're not looking at it at the sm- at the small level, the individual level, where she could be manipulating individuals against each other. Like they're not looking at it like that, really. Nope. At least no one who thinks that Tycho is innocent is innocent is looking at it like that. Yeah. <sighs> Poor Tycho. I don't want to talk about it. Okay, so let's talk about Corin instead. <laughs> Yay! Uh, even worse. <laughs> <laughs> so Corin is now back in Gen Pop. Okay, real quick, I keep thinking Gen Pop is like some music thing, and I'm like, right. what is Corin doing? Like, what did I miss? <laughs> he is in general population of the prison. <laughs> <laughs> he has another plan that Jan is down with, but Orlor is not. Korn is convinced that the gravity in Gen Pop has been reversed. And so they're actually all upside down. And this would this would be the reason why they've never heard the Stormtrooper boots before. And it would also cause any escapees to mistakenly try to run up, which would only lead them lower into the mines. He offers Jan and Urlor the chance to come with him, but again, they both refuse, saying that their place is there. And I feel like Urlor is also not 100% on board, like, the Corrin is smart train, so. Who is this Urlor? Is he the spy? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Totally the spy. Corrin tells tells them that Tycho was a sleeper agent, which... Jan recognizes the name of Tycho Selchu. And Corin, that's totally slander. Cut it out. Mm-hmm. Like, I get he's angry, but he has no evidence to actually prove No, he, and he has no idea what's going on in the trial, also. Right, and, he just, like, has this vague idea that it may have been Tycho. Yeah. Well, and Iceheart, who has himself. clearly proven herself to be a terrible human being, is where he got that information. <laughs> right. right. Yep. She's so she won't lie to me. I guess <laughs> not about this. Like everything else, she's awful, but not about. I this. mean, first, first she tried to brainwash me into like blowing up other rogues, but we're now, on the now same page about one thing, which is great. <laughs> well, yeah, didn't Iceheart like full on tell him that she set Tycho up? Am I making that up? She didn't say that she set him up, but she did say that he wasn't necessarily. Um. Like a spy. I think she said like she okay. made it clear that Tycho was responsible for Corrin's death. Yeah. Without okay. necessarily implying whether that actually was what happened or not. And Corrin immediately jumped to like, well, of course that's what happened because Tycho right. was the worst. Okay. okay. Ice is a slender woman, and so there how how could you be lying to me about this? Yeah. Slender women are are totally falling under all of my charms. <laughs> oh, Thankfully, that's about all the time we spend on with Corin, and we go back to Ryloth. And apparently, Twi Johnny means Hella Feast Bonfire Party, and all the rogues participate along with oh, quite a few Twi'leks around. They subtly interrogate the rest of the team, aka asking them about stories about their adventures and their missions to see if they correlate with what they already know to prove if they are trustworthy. So the Twi'leks are basically just slightly more sophisticated Ewoks. Yeah. They're just taller Ewoks with brain tails. Don't worry about it. Okay, cool. Of course, there is there has to be a sexy Twi'lek dancer, Sienra. Yep. 
who wants to give Wedge a private dance. Oh. And Wedge is having issues with his bodily reactions because <laughs> the Empire objectifies non-humans. Eggplant emoji. <laughs> yeah. He overthinks this so much. Wedge, it is okay to think that someone's a hottie. It doesn't make you inherently bad. Right, <laughs> right. I think Wedge needs to just start going on some dates so he stops overthinking all of this. Like, it's it been too long, to buddy. <laughs> he needs to start going on some dates with some not married women. <laughs> yeah. <Yep. laughs> Maybe. Hopefully. Mm. Poor Wedge. He then has a talk with his Twilight friend, whose name I already forgot, Kazne uh, Olan, about Twilight naming conventions, which makes a lot more sense when you're actually reading the book because you can see where they put the apostrophe, which is the important part. And they break up names differently from like the surname and the first name in order to retain the meaning between basic and Twi'lek, which is actually pretty interesting. And so the way that we say Noir Ven is different when they say it in order to retain the meaning of his name, which basically means like a silver tongue, <clears throat> which makes sense. He's a lawyer, stereotypes. The way that they pronounce Wedge Antilles translates into the Slayer of Stars, which is pretty choice. I wish my name was that cool. I know, right? It means something much worse when they say it Wedge Antilles, though. I was so. going to say, can we talk about that, though? Because I'm a big fan of one so foul he could induce vomiting in a rancor. <laughs> Way to go, Wedge. Wait, so are we saying Wedge's name is Starkiller? Yes. Is Wedge what? actually... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to stop. What? Correct. Wedge is actually Force-sensitive. <laughs> what? What does that have to do with Starkiller base? Um, what? <laughs> legends, Danny. Legends. I was thinking of like the Starkiller person. Yeah, the Starkiller dude. Oh, I don't, I don't know the Starkiller person. <laughs> yeah, me either. Oh. It's Force Unleashed, right? Yeah, he's in those games. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, maybe he's actually Snoke. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought Sap was getting at. <laughs> <laughs> we all think it's Snoke. <laughs> As they are chatting, six uglies appear to crash the party, and their leader, a large Twi'lek male, Taldira, isn't super friendly, and he challenges Wedge to -to hand-to-hand combat to prove himself as a warrior in order for them to obtain the real core that they need. But, surprise, Wedge won't be fighting Taldira, but instead Koshak. But Taldira goes after Koshak when he misses the tossed vibroblade, and Taldira is pissed because Koshak did not inform the warriors of the rogues' arrival. And warriors should deal with warriors, not merchants. And so after he threatens Koshak a little bit, he goes over to Wedge and presents Wedge with a vibroblade and the real core they need as a gift. And now they are hella bros. So all that drama for nothing. <laughs> Yeah, this definitely felt yeah, like it was leading up to something really bad, and then it was just like, hey, we're buddies now! Yeah. <laughs> warriors deal with warriors! Right, yeah. like, for a second, it seemed, it sounded like Wedge was gonna have to kill someone yeah. in, in Rogue Squadron, and I was like, oh god, this is gonna get real dark real fast. I 
<laughs> or but like then, an, okay, we're cool. Right? Or like an innocent like Twilight bystander, right? Right. And I'd be like, oh no, witch. <laughs> so conflicted. But no, everything's fine. Taldira is fine. <laughs> so once they get back to Coruscant, the trial resumes with Noir questioning Quarren agent Ciccillan uh, Way. Oh, Meg, well, I think you skipped the chapter. Did I? It was a quick little oh, yellow Oh, I totally chapter. did. Yeah. <laughs> chapter 25 was the worst. Okay. So in oh. chapter 25, Corin basically just has to test his theory that they are upside down. And in order to do so, he's going to throw a rock at the ceiling. And they have this distraction a- set and up. And it takes him 10 pages to do it. It seriously takes 10 pages for Corin to throw a rock at the ceiling and the rock lodges itself there because the gravity field, I guess, doesn't go that far for whatever reason. And yeah, whatever. Corin turns out correct, but he does get a stun bolt for his trouble. Derricot watches all this go down and comes to the same conclusion as Corin. And he's going to wait for Corrin to make his move and probably follow him. And he thinks that he can impress Isard by it somehow. I don't know. He wants to like, do an action, like be be an action hero or something here, because apparently he, he can't just inform. Right. I don't think Isard appreciates snitches, though. It's, it's like stitches, almost I guess. getting sad watching all these dudes trying to impress Isard. <laughs> <laughs> she has we haven't so even much gotten to the kitten chapter. I know we haven't even gotten the character in this chapter, which boy howdy! But even this is just like, oh, <laughs> uh, you guys are just sad. Yeah, so sad. Like you don't need her approval, bros. You don't. You no. don't want that approval. Yeah, she's not going to give it to you anyway. No, ever. No matter what you do. Like even if you thought you earned it, you still would not get it. Right. Just to be clear, though, I have zero sympathy for Derricot because he's the worst. Also awful, yeah. He is the worst. Well, that was chapter 25. It was a waste of everybody's time. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So back on course, the trial resumes. With Noir questioning Coring agent to Sillin Well. Well works on going over Imperial expenses and learning about their budgets, which sounds super boring. This is super action hero, lawyer, noir then, like, at his finest. Oh, absolutely. Noir has well admit that they've uncovered a few dozen operatives, but Tycho is the only one they've linked multiple accounts to. He also gets well to admit that the encryption on his accounts show that he's only of middle importance, but he's paid in the millions, whereas others of his grade have only been paid in the thousands. Mm. Noara continues to get the Corrin to admit that Tycho has never withdrawn money and the accounts could have totally been set up without any of his knowledge. To put the cherry on top of that Sunday, Well goes on to say <laughs> that General Maydeen himself has had fake accounts make to set him up as an Imperial spy. And friendly reminder, General Maydeen is sitting there as one of the judges for the case. Yep. Bam! So- like, like swish, just yeah, in the swish. three points. So, that chapter is excellent. Everybody should actually read that chapter because Noir is amazing. After they're all dismissed and they go back to Tycho's cell, 
Noir admits that it was a good day for the case, but it wasn't entirely the groundbreaking thing that they wanted to be. If the tribunal decides that Tycho is guilty with the motives of greed or to kill Korn to keep his spy identity safe, then he'll be sentenced to death. But if the tribunal finds him guilty because of Lusankia and brainwashing, then he'll be like placed as inculpable for his actions, but then sent to a mental hospital indefinitely. And it really will be indefinitely because they're worried that if he gets cured too fast, then he'll make the justice system look weak. So the only way that Tycho can actually get out of this is if something happens and he's totally proven without any doubt innocent, which, shruggy. (laughs) And (laughs) surprise, while all of this has been going on, everything is the worst. The Papa Palpatine counterinsurgency force blew up that school and they claimed they'll continue attacks until the sham trial of Tycho is over. The trial is splitting opinion. More humans are likely to believe that Tycho is being sacrificed by the government to maintain order. But most non-humans believe that Tycho is guilty and also somehow the cause of the Kratos virus. Uh, Man, the public really, really doesn't know anything. Sounds a lot like our public, to be honest. Yep. Just believe anything they hear. So, nothing is going that great. Tycho wants to testify, feeling convinced that he can prove himself innocent, but Noara is super against it because Edic will destroy him on cross-examination, painting a picture of a callous and manipulative man. Finally, we actually see Tycho kind of put out. Through this whole thing, he's been super positive and always has his, his air of determination and confidence up, but now... You know, we see that falter a little bit. And he admits that they'll need a miracle for him to win this case. But Noir points out that rogues do the impossible. So reassuring. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Finding you innocent is going to be impossible. (laughs) I feel really reassured right now. (laughs) So reassuring that the rogues who do the impossible in military situations will apparently be great at law as well. (laughs) Right? It's like, can you imagine that in any other situation, right? What if they're, like, like baking something, like something really difficult? That's what I was thinking. And they're like, like, this is hard, but rogues can do the impossible. Right, they use use salt instead of sugar, but they're like, it'll turn out fine. Rogues can do the impossible. (laughs) It's like, no, bro, that's not how baking works. Oh, you can't just do that. (laughs) It's a science. Come on. Okay, rogues. Next, we have Wedge to go meet Admiral Akbar, And, of course, he opens with a wonderful Akbarism, which is time rolls away as the tide. Oh, so good. <laughs> I love He's it. so wise. <laughs> love him so much. I want him to be my commencement speaker. <laughs> yeah! At some imaginary graduation in the future. Oh my gosh, Akbar would be the best commencement speaker. Right? All he would have to say is, it's a trap! No. He has so much more wisdom. Danny. But that's all that anyone graduating needs to know. That's true. Yeah, I mean, it is a trap. You go all that dick. forever, kids. Stay in school forever. (laughs) If you never leave, they can't get you. Yeah, if you never leave, you don't have to pay loans. Just keep going. (laughs) 
I also like this line shortly thereafter where it says, The Mon Calamari opened his mouth in the closest approximation of a human smile he could muster, <laughs> hoping to put his visitor at ease. Like, I imagine Akbar trying really hard to make a smile, but just, like, making this really god-awful, frightening face. And Wedge so just perfect. being like, don't do that. <laughs> no more. No more of that. Wedge is like, I know what you're trying to do, but you should really stop. <laughs> Just do a thumbs up or something, it's fine. You maybe just not do that. <laughs> maybe just not, you don't have to reassure me, it's just, fine. I feel reassured. You can stop. Super reassured. <laughs> <laughs> so Wedge is there for Akbar to inform him that the Zulkopfra faction from Typhara is sending them a substantial load of Bacta. The rogues are going to go out and escort the convoy the rest of the way home. Yay, Wedge. something good is finally happening. <laughs> Wedge isn't super happy about this. <laughs> but it'll only be the rogue since it'll only be the rogues to keep about twenty-ish ships safe. They'll have to rely on secrecy for this whole mission to protect it because it's super delicate. Because apparently a lot of the folks on Typhara are awful. And took the rogues' mission to obtain Rolkor as a way for them to cheat them from buying Bacta. As if a mass of beings dying horribly and quickly is not as important as their profits. So, get it together, Typhara. Capitalism is the worst. It really is. <laughs> like, they went and got, I don't know, like, ten vials of Rolkor, and... Now, the entirety of Typhara is like, how could they do that? <laughs> so dishonorable. So the Zulkopa group cares more about their profits and being able to make money on all sides than just about being decent beings. So that's great. Now we see where Eresi gets it from. The Provisional Council will do whatever it needs to appease Typhara so they... Because they can cut off back to supply at any time, and then everyone's going to be SOL. It hasn't gone unnoticed by Akbar that Wedge has been spending a lot of time with the Elder Kraken, as well as the Elder Kraken has been having a lot of personal absence from the check-ins with the Provisional Council. So he knows that something is going on. Akbar warns Wedge that if he done Fs up, and causes the Typhirans <laughs> to get all pissy, then he will be as reviled as Tycho. No more approximations of smiles in that room. Nope. Does he, like, think that the Elder Kraken and, and Wedge are, like, up to shenanigans or something? I think Akbar knows that they're working on something together, and that something could be something that makes the Typhirans very upset. I see. Because... Wedge is a problem solver, and the Elder Kraken is full of secrets. And those two things combined can cause a lot of trouble. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because usually Wedge is very upfront when he is trying, when he goes kind of out of bounds to make something happen. But now with Kraken, where he has infinitely more resources and a lot of things that people don't even know of... A lot of things could be happening right now. Because Akbar, remember that Akbar doesn't know about the um, the Ashurn rebels on Coruscant. It's only the Elder Kraken and the people down there with them who know. So, oh, yeah. right. 
Yeah. Right. So it is a secret that they're making a cure for the Kratos virus, which will piss Typhara off in the end. So Akbar's Akbar senses are totally correct in this. As you but it doesn't matter because it's more important to save people. A little bit. A little bit. Finally, we go back to Kitten Lormat, who has received the intel. <laughs> for the... <laughs> it's just getting intel. more and more butchered. It's just getting so much better. Uh, he has the intel for ro- the rogues' mission to protect the back to convoy. I wonder where he got that from. We finished the chapter saying this mission depends on secrecy in order for it to work. So Jan the spy is really working overload right now. <laughs> it's amazing how he's managing to be in so many places at once. So magical. That's what she said. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Lord. My hope is that if we just don't acknowledge it, it goes away. <laughs> No, never. <laughs> no, it's never going to go away, Danny. That's, Lord that's thinks what she that said. My... <laughs> yes. Oh gosh, Lord thinks that handling handling the issue himself will please Isard and get him out of the control of Fleury Voru. But surprise, Lore isn't actually supposed to know this intel at all. He intercepted it before it made its way to Isard. Then there's like three pages about encryption that I don't care about, so we're just gonna skip it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Lore's grand plan is to have some X Wings that he has and paint them in rogue colors and then have them go be at the convoy, attack them, and rile the public up even more. Okay, where did Lore get X Wings all of a sudden? Wherever Slash, Tycho why is he just her? now using them? <laughs> I don't know, because they're a plot device, Danny. Okay. Because <laughs> it's lore. Also because it's kitten lore, Matt, and he probably yeah. it never occurred to him before. That's the real reason. Because he's not that good at his job. <laughs> We've seen this so many times. Oh, boy. He thinks about betraying Voru to the New Republic, Outside of Cor- the New Republic worlds outside of Coruscant, or to create some distrust of the capital. He also thinks that he could really just use the money from taking the Bacta and literally buy himself a planet and keep Boba Fett and Retainer to keep him safe. <laughs> yeah, random Boba Why Fett name drop there. Yeah, that was weird. Which, by the way, of is, course, is Boba Fett Boba alive Fett. at this point? Did he not die in the Sarlacc in the Legends? No, um, no, Dengar pulled him out of the Sarlacc. Oh, sure, of course, yeah. That's Tales of from Jabba's Palace or Tales from uh, the Bounty Hunters or something like that. Okay. Real talk, yeah. though, why does everyone want to buy a planet? Because that is a lot. It's a lot to deal planet. with. <laughs> it is a lot to deal with. Like, it's your entire responsibility is this whole planet. Suddenly. can barely keep a tiny backyard much. under control. <laughs> yeah, it's a stupid responsibility. Like, buy me, yep. like, I would buy, like, a nice house in a secluded area on, like, yeah. the backwater planet. It's nice views. Right, but you can still go into town to get everything you need, and it's not your problem. Yeah. Oh my god, you would have to deal with, like, the entire economy. Yeah, no. Buying a Just planet... You would have to deal with starting a civilization. <laughs> no, that sounds like a lot of work. Laura can barely take care of himself. 
Laura then rewrites the message to say his plans, but without saying that it's it's him doing it, right? Including his plans to have the fake rogue squadron and then sends it along to Isard as if he never read it at all. Okay. Dear Kit and Laura, this is going to blow up in your face. <laughs> but first, it's going to blow up in our faces. It sure is. That's what the next chapter is for. So, two flight of Rogue Squadron is a dream team of cool guys. AKA, it's Pash, Gavin, Sheila, Nawara. The coolest guys on Rogue Squadron. A really good group. <laughs> I and imagine them, like, cool, walking out to but... their X-Wings before this mission in, like, a slow-mo action movie with, like, yes. aviators on, and they take them off one at a time and do, like, a slow-mo high-five. Yes. Fist bumps, chest bumps. Major heavy metal playing in the background. Amazing. So good. Because Wedge is cool, but we've also learned that Wedge is not cool. (laughs) Wedge is so not cool. Wedge is the biggest geek. Not cool at all. Wedge is a nerd. Wedge has no (laughs) chill. He's such a dweeb. (laughs) So the rogues arrive late in the Alderaan system to meet the convoy. And. I'm really into how much Nawara is admiring Tycho in this chapter. <laughs> and he ta- he also he mentions that he wanted to ask Tycho if he had anything that he wanted to bring home to Alderaan to leave in the, the shards there. But he wasn't allowed any contact after being briefed, so that was kind of a bummer. But I think he has a few paragraphs where it's just really nice to see it from Nawara's point of view, which we haven't really had that much of before. And to see the relationship between him and Tycho grow. It was also cool to see Noara like, be in his head as he's piloting an X-Wing. Because I honestly kind of forgot that Noara's a pilot. Because he's been so full-on lawyer mode up to this point. So, Sispawn! They see a Super Star Destroyer, multiple attack cruisers, and a whole bunch of TIE fighters arrive, slash leave the system. And they see the convoy completely wiped out before the rogues can even go meet them. Apparently, this is the work of... The attack cruisers are someone allied with Warlord Zinge, and the Superstar Destroyer was probably the Iron Fist, as there's only one in operation, basically. The rogues then ambush the ambush and inflict substantial damage on the attack cruisers and fighters. They let the rest run away as they survey the damage on the convoy, and it's utterly wrecked. It makes no sense for Zinge to have murdered all of these ships, not when they were carrying precious Bacta that Zinge could have used for his own gain. The remaining ties surrender, and Wedge instructs two flights to Tatooine to refuel and pick up a cruiser that can haul the ties and their pilots back to Coruscant. They note that there's a bunch of tie and X-Wing debris, but none from the Rogue Squadrons were lost. So the X-Wing debris was already there, which we know of as Lore's fake rogues. But they obviously don't know that. Oh my god, this blew up right in his face. It's amazing. Yeah. And then the TIE pilots who surrendered say that they were amb- that when they ambushed the convoy, Rogue Squadron was already there protecting it. So, so bad. So bad. Which is why... Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sad that the Bacta all got destroyed, but at the same time I'm just like, this is amazing. This is <laughs> it's so get. bad. But it's so like, good. This is the worst possible outcome for everybody involved. Yep. Yep. 
And that's why the show notes for the next chapter start with Kitten Lore done effed up. He pulls a Corin and accepts that he will be dead very soon. <laughs> and the only reason why he isn't is because Isard enjoys watching him suffer. Sounds Which logical. she probably does not care what's going on right now at all. No, she probably forgot he existed. Right? Yeah. She's got Corin. She doesn't need him anymore. After Zinch fled Alderaan, he messaged the New Republic, like, wide, not just the the politics or military politics the politicians or the military or anything like that like everybody every all the hollow net saying that he attacked the convoy because he knew the backdoor was tainted and the rogues there knew it was tainted and zinge goes on to ask the people of the new republic to give up that new government and join him but the rogues had already been report had already reported in about the broken convoy and which only makes everything that Zinj said sound like a lie <laughs> because it might very well be since the real rogues are well and safe i mean the tainted bector thing could be possible because yeah, of him destroying all the bector mm-hmm. right but it seems it seems like a re- like i mean he could also have just done it just to be like oh it's tainted i have to destroy it all to prove the point but then that right. seems like a real waste of Vector. Right. Just to yeah. Do that. Especially if you don't know for sure. Like, it would be better to still seize it and then test it. And if it is tainted, then get rid of it, but not just to blow up all these ships. Yeah, it's a real, real desperate move, kind of. Zinch is not the smartest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and they mentioned that. Zinge was probably specifically making this move as well on Rogue Squadron just to get them back for embarrassing him during the last time they had an altercation. So, he's petty. We go back to Kitten, who frets over how boned he is. <laughs> and... <laughs> this is literally like two pages. <laughs> Thankfully, we don't have too much of that. And... We skip over to Wedge, who Gavin comes to visit about their latest mission. He wants to support Wedge because he did the same when Lujane died. Sorry, Seth. And uh-huh. he feels especially bad for Wedge because his best friends, Tycho and Leia and Mirax, can't be there for him. They admit that there was no debris of the Pulsar skate in the field. So everyone is kind of in denial about Mirax passing because remember... If you don't see a body, they might not be dead. Yeah, it wasn't affected by this revelation at all because three chapters ago, that whole conversation. Right. Mirax herself mentioned it. Right. Like, yeah. It's a little it's, too on the nose. Yeah, A little bit of a giveaway there, yeah. Right. So it seems like the rogues going after Zinj is going to be a sure thing in the very near future. One more skip in this chapter. We go to... Borsk Freyla meeting with a seer. Borsk is being an ultra creeper. Such a creep. Oh my god. I was so uncomfortable. Saying things like, my dear, you are quite impossible to refrain from noticing. How much older than her is he? He's probably about, he's at least like 15 years older than she is, I believe. Dude. Like, there's a really noticeable age gap between them, because he talks about how if he took a lover that young, 
<laughs> that like she would ever date him. That he would be looked down upon for not focusing on his career. So there's that. Also, love stalking. What the f is love stalking? Right? And why would you call it that? Bothans so are creepy. <laughs> oh, Bothans. Bothans, why? Why are Bothans like this? Borsk. Borsk is like peak Bothan. He's so Bothan. Oh, he's never questioned at all that maybe these things aren't so good. Borsk praises Asir for being so awesome but when he brings up her boyfriend Galen (laughs) (laughs) he's doing that thing (laughs) he's so terrible (laughs) right and well she says like he's doing this intentionally to throw me off like this is all just part of his game yeah Yeah. absolutely because he just keeps saying Galen (laughs) And he mentions how having a human boyfriend, Galen, doesn't quite suit the role model image that Bothaway has of her. But she's handling it so discreetly, and it gives her a nice edgy romance image that it's not too bad yet. Oh my god, Borsk, stop talking. (laughs) Borsk goes on then to admit that Galen isn't the worst human to be partnered with. Because he's also a war hero. <laughs> and has, like, ties back to the destruction of the Death Star. Just like the Bothans helped destroy the second Death Star. That link In, in case you forgot. Like, like, yeah, because she was like, oh, his his cousin died in the destruction of the first Death Star. Yeah. He's like, yeah, well, all the Bothans died with the second one. And it's like, calm down, dude. You don't have to bring it up every single <laughs> right. time. No, but this time he's making a point. He's saying it's He's so poetic and romantic that his ancestors died for the first Death Star and your ancestors died for the second Death Star. How romantic. Galen is so brave. <laughs> Galen Darklighter. <laughs> so rude. Borsk then reveals that they got samples from the Bacta that was destroyed and they were, in fact, tainted. But Asir brings up that, well... They were sh- shot and lasered and then left in space. So it's not really that much of a surprise that the samples are tainted. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they were tainted before this happened. But Borsk being Borsk brings up the idea that the Zoltan faction of Typhera or members of the New Republic government were actually behind the spoiled back to plot. He wants Asir to give him a report that says the rogues' late arrival to Alderaan was a product of human error. And Borsk reminds her that they are both Bothan, and that comes with certain responsibilities that she cannot fail her people. Asir's last line in this is, I understand the price of failure, sir, and I have no intention of incurring that debt. So what do you guys think is going to happen with this? I wanted to slap him. And I hope it's just him. never mentioned again. <laughs> <laughs> but remember, Wedge had that talk with her about her loyalties. Yeah, like this was definitely foreshadowed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I would feel so bad for Gavin if she did this. For Gallon? Gallon. Yeah, for Gallon. <laughs> I don't want her to prove the Bothan stereotype right. I want her to, to, to not be a terrible Bothan 
because I like her. Yeah, I guess that's the other thing. I don't know if I have enough faith in the Bothans for her to, to trust that she'll do the right thing here. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely... Her, her end of the conversation does not allude to her feelings whatsoever, which is a very Bothan thing. So... Hopefully, we'll get some resolution. <laughs> maybe. Maybe, maybe. Finally, in the last chapter we have for you tonight, we go back to Lusankia and Corin's second escape attempt. Corin and Orlor go to the bathroom together to trick the infrared scans into sensing only one person. Corin then douses himself in cold water in order to, I guess, fool the infrared sensors. It's, that's not how it works, Corin. It's not how it works. I would make a Predator reference, but it, no one would get it. So it's <laughs> I'm sure our listeners infrared. Yeah, you can still the, make it for our listeners. The 346 listeners that started yelling at us last week would definitely get it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, the in, in Predator, Arnold Schwarzenegger figures out that once he gets like covered in mud, like cold mud from the river, that it masks his body signature from the predators who see an infrared. So, Corrin should use mud, I guess. God, Corrin, hasn't he seen Predator? Yeah, come on, Corrin. <laughs> who hasn't? Come on. <laughs> so once weird. again, showing that Corrin is the worst. <laughs> So they leave the bathroom, and Corrin makes it through the double gates that separate their work area into beyond. Corrin continues on, and as he makes his way, he's suddenly attacked from behind by Derricot. Derricot then, you know, gloats for too long, saying that Corrin, this is his ticket out, and he's not sorry about it, and he's totally going to kill him. But this is why you shouldn't talk when you're a villain, because Jan comes to the rescue. He had noticed Derricot missing and came to warn Corrin, thinking that Derricot was snitching. They then Jan gets into an altercation with Derricot, which he is definitely unprepared for. But thankfully, Corrin is strong enough to grab the shovel that Derricot was going to kill him with and then attack him with it and basically murder him. What a great father-son bonding moment. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Hal. <laughs> they can't go back or leave Derricot's body there, or it'll give away the secret that they know the secret. Jan says he'll cover the tracks and cover up the crime scene as long as Corin takes Derricot with him. Corin, uh, well, so Jan promises that he shouldn't, exp- he, he's going to try his best to give Corin some time, but don't expect more than 12 hours. So Corin's got to get a move on. He makes it out of the artificial gravity, still looking for a place to stash Derricot's corpulent body. He notices the hallways he's going through are imperially decorated and assumes he's going to have a heck of a time getting out, thinking that he's in like a palace or something as equally fortified. Um, And that is where we leave. I have to point out here that Michael Stackpole did not hold back when describing Derricot's physique in this chapter. Yeah, he, he is very not really clear to us that Derricot is literally the only heavy set individual in the entire galaxy. No, 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 no. He, he also describes Koshak as yeah. Oh, you're right. That's right. Yeah, okay, yeah. he went out of his way with that. Even like, so, that seems to be a thing in Star Wars books. I yeah. I just I chuckled a little bit at the fact that the one uh, 
overweight person that Corrin has encountered. He literally murders in cold yes. blood. He murders and has to carry. <laughs> right, yeah, and he then... makes it sound so much easier to carry Derricote around than it should be. It is not that easy. No. No. No, no, no. no. So, thanks, thanks, Corrin. Thanks for that. And thanks, Mike Stackpole, for that, too. Thanks, man. Yeah. Corrin, keeping the galaxy slender. <laughs> <laughs> One murder no. at a time. <laughs> oh, God. Is it time for listener questions? It, it is, is, because that We've was the end of the 11 it. chapters. Woo, we did it. That's a lot of chapters. It is a lot of chapters, but... Go us. We condensed them pretty well. Yeah, and they were good. They were good. So, speaking of listener questions, last week we asked you what secret hidden powers Oral has, because we keep discovering amazing things he can do. Nancy said... I'd say Oral has a special ability to put up with bullshit. Sorry, Danny. But that's not really secret because he's Corn's wingmate. Oh, burn. <laughs> that's good. Raising Fangirl said Oral has the power of love because the power <laughs> of love is a curious thing. Make one man weep, make another man sing. <laughs> I also hope Oral's like a jukebox. <laughs> <laughs> right? The power of love. But, like, he's not actually singing, it's just coming from Right, me. it's just coming out of some orifice somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> I think you mean some orifice. Oh. Danny. Danny. That's pretty good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Connor in Star Wars said he doesn't have to worry about not eating the little packet at the bottom of beef jerky because his stomach can deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> Super digestion. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, Nick said, Oral turns out to have the ability to break the fourth wall and jumps into the new canon books to escape legends. This is how he's able to secure his own spinoff film and enter episode eight, The Powers of Oral. I would definitely watch that. Definitely watch a movie about Oral's powers, like a documentary of some kind. Yeah, yeah. That'd be amazing. (laughs) So weird. So good. Do we have a question for this week? Our listener question this week is, what should our listener question be this week? (laughs) (laughs) No, Danny. Um, I mean, all I can think of is something with love stalking, but I'm not sure I want to go down that route. I don't don't think we want to go down that route at all. (laughs) No, I don't don't think so. We could ask, like, what do we think Asir's going to do? Yeah, let's do that. It's so serious. It is serious. Yeah. We haven't been serious in a while. In response to Borsk Creepila, what do you think a seer is going to do? I have thoughts, maybe. I think she's going to stay true to Galen. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Can we just call it can we just start calling him something different? Yeah, I hope in every listener response they have a different name for Gavin. As long as it starts with a G and ends with an N. Like, the middle letters can just be whatever you want them to be. I'm imagining, like, a Spanish soap opera where they come in and she's like, You tried to turn me against Gorlin, but in actuality... And she, like, slaps him. I'm carrying his child. Wow. That's oh. some trashy drama I'm into. Yeah. So I'm, I worry what that child would look like. 
Is it like a fluffy human or like a, a, a naked cat person? It gets <laughs> all the physical characteristics of a human, but all the personality characteristics of a bothan. Oh, oh god, that'd like, be the worst like human jerk, ever. You say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that it'll look like she's about to betray the rogues, and then she'll actually like switch around and be like, nah, I'm never leaving, never leaving. I couldn't think of something funny for Gavin, I'm sorry. I can't answer this question, because I know what happens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. And so will most of our listeners. Oh, well. That's true. Well, so if you do know what happens, just make up some cute story about Galen. Make up scene. some fanfic about Galen. Yeah. And don't give us spoilers, please, because no. we will not appreciate that. No. <laughs> I will not appreciate it, and I'm going to come after you as Rogue Mom. Yeah. Although, I don't know, with all the does... talk I've heard about how great the end of this book is, I kind of think I'm just going to finish it in the next day or two. Yeah, I was going to say, does does it get resolved by the end of this book? Um, Let me let me flip ahead real fast. Because <laughs> if so, I just won't look at responses until yeah. I finish. But still, don't, don't tweet that. spoilers. I'll get back to you on that for sure. Yeah. Regardless, just don't tweet at us what actually happens. That would be yeah. weird. Use the That's hashtag me. keep the secrets. What? <laughs> Did you just make that up down, Danny? <laughs> no, that's the Harry Potter hashtag. Oh. That JK Rowling is encouraging anyone who's seen the play to use. Uh, oh. oh. Let's not okay. accidentally. I tried to be relevant. <laughs> that's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, Let's not our trashy romance. <laughs> In the Harry Potter tag. <laughs> um, yeah, so if you're one of our listeners and you want to answer this question without spoilers and potentially with funny names, um, you can hit us up at Twitter at RoguePodron. Our website is roguepodron.tumblr.com. Our email is roguepod at farfarawayradio.com. And we do love getting emails, so send us some emails. And you can subscribe to our podcast via the Far Far Away Radio feed on iTunes, Stitcher, FeedBurner, and Google Play. Great. So next time, make sure you read X-Wing, The Kratos Trap, chapters 32 through the end. And with that, this is Rogue Padron signing off. Pash out. Pew, pew. Rogue Leader signing off. Rogue Six signing off. Rogue Seven signing off. Rogue Three signing off. finally got like three seconds of passion <laughs> <laughs> yeah errol nub like got mentioned this week right so exciting yeah they even mentioned the bothan who died in rogue squadron oh, yeah, they meant like pesh pesh got, got a shout more out air time than like <laughs> half of the rogues pesh out <laughs> like i'm not even sure if rosati was in this book yeah they mentioned yeah they, they noara alluded her to when, her um who saved Noara in the thing? Somebody shot a tie for him, and they're like, "Yeah, my wingmate would be awful if you died." And I was like, "Ah, oh, yeah, Rosetti." Oh, Ersi did, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I was like, "Oh, good thing you're saving him for the sake of somebody not being up for, there, for your wingmate." Thanks for bros before bros, I guess. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs>